This recording is brought to you by Ancient History Encyclopedia. Alexander the Great Written by Joshua J. Mark and read by James Lloyd Alexander III of Macedon, known as Alexander the Great, 356 BCE to 323 BCE, was the son of King Philip II of Macedon. He became king upon his father's death in 336 BCE and went on to conquer most of the known world of his day. He is known as the Great both for his military genius and his diplomatic skills in handling the various populaces of the regions he conquered. He is further recognised for spreading Greek culture, language and thought from Greece throughout Asia Minor, Egypt and Mesopotamia to India, and thus initiating the era of the Hellenistic world. Alexander's Youth When Alexander was young, he was taught to fight and ride by Leonidas of Epirus, a relative of his mother Olympias, as well as to endure hardships such as forced marches. His father, Philip, was interested in cultivating a refined future king, so hired Lysimachus of Acarnania to teach the boy reading, writing and to play the lyre. This tutelage would instil in Alexander a lifelong love of reading and music. At the age of 14, Alexander was introduced to the Greek philosopher Aristotle, who Philip hired as a private tutor. He would study with Aristotle for the next three years, and the two remained in correspondence throughout Alexander's later campaigns. Aristotle's influence directly bore upon Alexander's later dealings with the people he conquered, in that Alexander never forced the culture of Greece upon the inhabitants of the various regions, but merely introduced it in the same way Aristotle used to teach his students. The influence of Leonidas may be seen in Alexander's lifelong resilience and physical stamina, as well as his skill with horses. Alexander tamed the untamable Bucephalus when he was only 11 or 12 years old. While his tutor's influence certainly had a profound effect upon him, Alexander seemed destined for greatness from birth. He had, first of all, a father whose accomplishments laid a firm foundation for his later success. The historian Diodorus Siculus observes, During the 24 years of his reign as king of Macedonia, in which he started with the slenderest resources, Philip built his own kingdom up into the greatest power in Europe. He projected the overthrow of the Persian Empire, landed forces in Asia, and was in the act of liberating the Hellenic communities when he was interrupted by fate in spite of which he bequeathed a military establishment of such size and quality that his son Alexander was enabled to overthrow the Persian Empire without requiring the assistance of allies. These achievements were not the work of fortune, but of his own force of character, for this king stands out above all others for his military acumen, personal courage and intellectual brilliance. While it is clear that his father had a great impact on him, Alexander himself chose to see his success as ordained by divine forces. He called himself the son of Zeus, and so claimed the status of a demigod, linking his bloodline to his two favourite heroes of antiquity, Achilles and Heracles, and modelling his behaviour after theirs. This belief in his divinity was instilled in him by Olympias, who also told him that his was a virgin birth, 
that she had been miraculously impregnated by Zeus himself. His birth was associated with great signs and wonders, such as a bright star gleaming over Macedonia that night, and the destruction of the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus. Plutarch writes, Alexander was born the 6th of Hecatombeon, which month the Macedonians call Los, the same day that the Temple of Diana at Ephesus was burnt, which Hegesius of Magnesia makes the occasion of a conceit frigid enough to have stopped the conflagration. The temple, he says, took fire and was burned while its mistress was absent, assisting at the birth of Alexander. And all the eastern soothsayers who happened to be then at Ephesus, looking upon the ruin of this temple to be the forerunner of some other calamity, ran about the town, beating their faces and crying that this day had brought forth something that would prove fatal and destructive to all Asia. Though his miraculous birth is well documented by historians, there is little information on his youth, aside from tales of his precociousness. He allegedly interviewed visiting dignitaries about the boundaries and strength of Persia when he was seven years old. Alexander's friends, Cassander, Ptolemy and Hephaestion, would become his lifelong companions and generals in his army. Callisthenes, another friend, was Aristotle's great-nephew and came to the Macedonian court with the philosopher. He would become court historian and follow Alexander on campaign in the capacity of philosopher. Hephaestion remained his best and dearest friend throughout his life and second in command of the army. Of Alexander's youth, the historian Worthington writes that Alexander would have been educated at home, as was the custom in Macedonia, and he would have grown used to seeing, and then participating in, the drinking contests which were part of Macedonian court life. But aside from that, we know surprisingly little about Alexander's boyhood. We'll continue after a short message from our sponsor. Antiquous is a quarterly magazine showcasing stunning features on ancient art, archaeology and history. Its contributors are world-renowned for their expertise, writing in an accessible and engaging style, avidly read by academics and enthusiasts alike. The magazine's fascinating articles invite the reader to marvel at the wonders of the Aztecs, the mystique of Han China, the drama and intrigue of ancient Greece and Rome, the enchantment of Egypt, and the exotic splendours of Persia. Get it now at antiquous-magazine.com. That's A-N-T-I-Q-V-V-S-Magazine.com. Chironia and the Early Campaigns Alexander's military prowess was first noted at the Battle of Chironia in 338 BCE. Although only 18 years old, he helped turn the tide of battle in the decisive Macedonian victory which defeated the Greek allied city-states. When Philip II was assassinated in 336 BCE, Alexander assumed the throne, and with the Greek city-states now united under Macedonian rule following Chironia, embarked on the great campaign his father had been planning the conquest of the mighty Persian Empire. Worthington states, Homer was Alexander's Bible, and he took Aristotle's edition with him to Asia. During his campaigns, Alexander was always intent on finding out everything he could about the areas through which he passed. He took with him an entourage of scientists to record and analyse this information, from botany, biology, zoology and meteorology to topography. His desire to learn and to have information recorded as scientifically as possible, 
probably stemmed from Aristotle's teachings and enthusiasm. With an army of 32,000 infantry and 5,100 cavalry, Alexander crossed over to Asia Minor in 334 BCE and sacked the city of Baalbek, renaming it Heliopolis. He then liberated the Greek city of Ephesus from Persian rule and offered to rebuild the Temple of Artemis, which had been destroyed by arson on the night of his birth. But the city refused his gesture. In 333 BCE, Alexander and his troops defeated the larger force of King Darius III of Persia at the Battle of Issus. Darius fled the field, leaving his family behind. Alexander went on to sack the Phoenician city of Sidon and then to conquer Aleppo. In 332 BCE, he conquered Syria and then Egypt in 331 BCE, where he founded the city of Alexandria. At the Oracle of Siwa, in the eponymous Egyptian oasis, he was proclaimed a son of the god Zeus Ammon. Though he had conquered Egypt, Alexander was not interested in imposing his own ideas of truth, religion or behaviour upon the people, as long as they willingly kept the supply lines open to feed and equip his troops. An important aspect of Alexander's ability to rule vast areas, which was to be neglected by his successors. This does not mean, however, that Alexander did not ruthlessly suppress uprisings, or hesitate to viciously annihilate those who opposed him. After designing the plan for the city of Alexandria, he left Egypt for further campaigns, easily conquering the land of Phoenicia, except for the island city of Tyre, which he placed under siege. So determined was he to conquer Tyre that he built a causeway from the mainland to the island on which to mount his siege engines to take the city. This causeway, in time, collected silt and earth and is the reason why Tyre is part of the mainland of Lebanon today. For their stubborn resistance, the inhabitants of the city were slaughtered and the survivors sold into slavery. His policy regarding the citizens of Tyre is a prime example of his ruthlessness. The Persian Campaigns In 331 BCE, Alexander met Darius III on the battlefield at Gaugamela, where, again facing overwhelming numbers, he decisively defeated Darius, who fled the field. Darius was later assassinated by his own general and cousin Bessus, an act which Alexander was said to deplore. Darius's body was treated with the greatest respect, as were the surviving members of his family. Alexander then proclaimed himself the king of Asia and continued on to march to the great city of Susa, which surrendered unconditionally without resistance. From Susa, Alexander marched on the city of Persepolis, where in 330 BCE, according to the ancient historian Diodorus Siculus and others, he started the fire which destroyed the main palace and most of the city as revenge for the burning of the Acropolis in Xerxes' Persian invasion of Greece in 480 BCE. This act was said to be instigated during a drunken party by Thais, the Athenian lover of the general Ptolemy, claiming it would be apt revenge for the city to be burnt by women's hands, and she is said to have thrown her torch right after Alexander threw the first. Leaving Persepolis in ruins and carrying off the vast treasures, he marched on to Bactria and Sogdinia, conquering them easily. In 329 BCE, he founded the city of Alexandria Escate on the Axetes River, destroyed the city of Syropolis, and defeated the Scythians. Alexander founded many cities bearing his name during this time to further his public image, 
Alexander founded many cities bearing his name during this time to further his public image as a god, and adopted the title Shahanshah, King of Kings, used by the rulers of the First Persian Empire. In keeping with the status, Alexander introduced the Persian custom of proskinesis to the army, forcing those who addressed him to first kneel and kiss his hand. The Macedonian troops became progressively uncomfortable with Alexander's apparent deification and adoption of Persian customs. Assassination plots were hatched only to be revealed, and the conspirators executed, even if they were old friends. Callisthenes became one of these when he was implicated in a plot. Cletus, the elder statesman who had saved Alexander's life at the Battle of Granicus, would doom himself in a similar way. In 328 BCE, Alexander would murder both Callisthenes and Cletus in separate incidents for treason and questioning his authority, respectively. Alexander's habit of drinking to excess was well known, and certainly in the case of Cletus's death, significantly influenced the murder. Both Cletus and Callisthenes had become quite vocal in their criticism of Alexander's adoption of Persian customs. Though capable of great diplomacy and skill in dealing with conquered peoples and their rulers, Alexander was not known for tolerating personal opinions which conflicted with his own, and this intolerance was exacerbated by drinking. Cletus's death was swift through a javelin Alexander hurled at him, while Callisthenes was imprisoned and either died in confinement or was crucified. India and Mutiny In 327 BCE, with the Persian Empire firmly under his control and newly married to the Bactrian noblewoman Roxana, Alexander turned his attention to India. Having heard of the exploits of the great Macedonian general, the Indian king Omphis of Taxila submitted to his authority without a fight. But the Aspasioi and Asakenoi tribes strongly resisted. In battles throughout 327 and into 326, Alexander subdued these tribes, finally meeting King Porus of Parova at the Battle of the Hydaspes River in 326 BCE. Porus charged Alexander's forces with elephants, and fought so bravely with his troops that, after defeating Porus, Alexander installed him as a ruler of a larger region than he had previously held. Alexander's horse, Bucephalus, was killed in this battle, and Alexander named one of the two cities he founded after the battle, Bucephala, after him. Alexander intended to march on and cross the river Ganges towards further conquests, but his troops, worn out by the hard-fought battle with Porus, in which, according to Arian, Alexander lost a thousand men, mutinied and refused to go further. Alexander tried to persuade his men to press on, but, failing to win them over, finally assented to their wishes. He split his army in two, sending half back to Susa by sea under the command of Admiral Nearchus through the Persian Gulf, and marching the other half on through the Gedrosian Desert. His reasoning behind this decision is still unclear and debated by historians. Even though he had abandoned his conquest of India, he still paused on his march to subdue those hostile tribes he encountered along the way. The harsh terrain of the desert and the military engagements took a great toll on his troops, and by the time they reached Susa in 324 BCE, Alexander had sustained considerable losses. Upon his return, he found that many of the satraps he had entrusted with rule had abused their power and so executed them as well as those who had vandalised the tomb of Cyrus the Great at the old capital city of Pasagade. 
he ordered the ancient capital and tomb to be restored, and took other measures to ingratiate and integrate his army with the people of the region and merge the cultures of Persia and Macedonia. Alexander held a mass marriage service at Susa, in which he married members of his senior staff to Persian noblewomen. Many of his troops objected to this cultural merger, and increasingly criticised his adoption of Persian dress and manners, which he had affected since 329 BCE. They further objected to the promotion of Persians over Macedonians in the army, and to Alexander's order merging Persian and Macedonian units. Alexander responded by appointing Persians to prominent positions in the army and awarding traditional Macedonian titles and honours to Persian units. His troops backed down and submitted to Alexander's wishes, and, in a gesture of goodwill, he returned the titles to the Macedonians and ordered a great communal feast at which he dined and drank with the army. He had already dropped the custom of proskinesis in deference to his men, but continued to comport himself as a Persian rather than Macedonian king. At about this time, in 324 BCE, his lifelong friend and second-in-command, Hephaestion, died from a fever, though some reports suggest he may have been poisoned. Historians' accounts of Alexander's response to this event universally agree that his grief was insupportable. Plutarch claims that Alexander slaughtered the Cossians of a neighbouring town as a sacrifice to his friend, and Arian writes that he had Hephaestion's doctor executed for failing to cure him. The manes and tails of the horses were cut as a sign of mourning, and Alexander refused to promote another to Hephaestion's position as commander of the cavalry. He abstained from food and drink, and declared a period of mourning throughout his empire, and funeral rites usually reserved for a king. Alexander's death Upon his recovery from Hephaestion's death, Alexander returned to plans for expanding his empire, but would never realise them. He died in Babylon at the age of 32 on the 10th or 11th of June 323 BCE after suffering 10 days of high fever. Theories concerning his cause of death have ranged from poisoning to malaria to meningitis to bacterial infection from drinking contaminated water, among others. Plutarch says that, 14 days before his death, Alexander entertained his fleet admiral Nearchus and his friend Medius of Larissa with a long bout of drinking, after which he fell into a fever from which he never recovered. When he was asked who should succeed him, Alexander said, the strongest, which answer led to his empire being divided between four of his generals, Cassander, Ptolemy, Antigonus and Seleucus, known as the Diadochoi, or successors. Plutarch and Arian, however, claim he passed his reign to Perdiccas, the friend of Hephaestion with whom Alexander had carried their friend's body to his funeral in Babylon. Perdiccas was also Alexander's friend, as well as his bodyguard and fellow cavalryman, and it would make sense, considering Alexander's habit of rewarding those he was close to with favours, that he would choose Perdiccas over others. However that may be, following Alexander's death, the generals ignored his wishes and Perdiccas was assassinated in 321 BCE. The Diadochi His longtime comrade, Cassander, would order the execution of Alexander's wife, Roxana, Alexander's son by her, and Alexander's mother, Olympias, to consolidate his power as the new king of Macedonia, a title he would later lose to Antigonus and his heirs. Ptolemy stole Alexander's corpse as it was en route to Macedon, 
and spirited away to Egypt in hope of securing the prophecy that the land in which it was laid to rest would be prosperous and unconquerable. He would found the Ptolemaic dynasty in Egypt, which would last until 30 BCE, ending with the death of his descendant Cleopatra VII. Seleucus founded the Seleucid Empire, comprising Mesopotamia, Anatolia and parts of India, and would be the last remaining of the Diadochi after the incessant 40 years of war between them and their heirs. He came to be known as Seleucid I Nicator, the Unconquered. None of his generals possessed Alexander's intelligence, understanding or military genius, but would found dynasties which, with exceptions, ruled their respective regions until the coming of Rome. The Diadochi's influence over the regions they controlled created what historians refer to as the Hellenistic period, in which Greek thought and culture became entwined with that of the indigenous populace. According to Diodorus Siculus, one of the stipulations of Alexander's will was the creation of a unified empire between former enemies. People of the Near East were to be encouraged to marry with those of Europe, and those of Europe to do likewise, and in doing so, a new culture would be embraced by all. Although the Diadochi failed in the peaceful fulfilment of his wishes, through the Hellenization of their empires, they contributed to Alexander's dream of a cultural unity, even if such unity could never be fully realised. This recording was brought to you by Ancient History Encyclopedia, a non-profit organisation. If you want to support our work, you can support us on Patreon by following the link below. To read more articles on ancient history, visit www.ancient.eu.